We are live. Hey, Star Wars fans. Hey, Rule the Galaxy fans. It is the Bubblegum Shoestring and uh, I don't even know what else. Paperclip podcast. It is Rule the Galaxy. Rule the Galaxy. It is the Star Wars podcast of choice. And it is Joe in the pilot seat for episode 202. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. And if you're just lazy and you want to listen to us, then we'll be recorded tomorrow um i've got a bunch of the usual crew here i'm gonna leave it at the ddoc to do all the spiel where you can follow us and what you can do because he's much better at it than i am but i can't believe it made it to episode 202 and we are right around the corner from so many big things as the icc and everything else it's going to be a crazy crazy month but until then let's start with some of our regular co-hosts Mr. Alfie, who had surgery this week and who's been at T-Ball, how are you doing, Alf? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you can see I got, uh, I'm still wrapped up like a like a 1970s defensive lineman here. Uh, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, learning some things about myself this week. Uh, you know, I can bat, throw a baseball left-handed. I can weld left-handed, but evidently I cannot wipe my ass. To save my life, left-handed. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, I'm left-handed. It's so bad, actually. I pulled a muscle in my back the first day. <laughs> yeah, well, wait, did you pull the muscle while wiping your ass? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you might have to try a different strategy. You might have to switch to the front wipe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I need I, to I mean, get back to front, man. I don't know. People, <laughs> some people rock that way regularly, yeah. though. So I don't know. Can I? Oh give my you, god! We're, oh my we're god. making do. You know. Oh my god! Don't don't worry. We're getting the job done. It's just not nearly as easy. That as... is the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, so I will throw in my two cents worth on this one, and I'll just say one word: bidet. The day will take care of your problems, and it'll be much simpler for you to do it with the left hand. Um, but thanks for the graphic introduction, Alfie. I really appreciate that. You know, I just thought we'd hit it hard <laughs> right out of the gate, you know. <laughs> I'm really hoping you don't have any bowel issues while this is on, because if regular bowel movements are this difficult, I can only imagine if you have troubles. The second day was rough, I think, mainly from the uh, <laughs> Brett's dying. Uh, the painkillers and the anesthesia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was rough. But uh, since then, we've got we've become pretty regular. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna skip Brent. I'm gonna go say hi to D Doc. D Doc, mm. how are you? 
Uh, I'm doing good. I'm also regular right now, you know, <laughs> staying on schedule. So <laughs> we're doing good. <laughs> we're doing good. This is like uh, the best, this is the best start of a show ever. Thank I, you. Four twenty. It's supposed to be a dumpster fire tonight. This is true. Smoke them if you got them. Oh gosh, I yeah. didn't even pass. Yeah, happy buff, holidays buff, to those who are, you know, any rule roll the galaxy fan <laughs> celebrating. Happy holidays. We did not we do not have any commemorative things for you to celebrate with. So just enjoy while you watch or listen to the show. Exactly. Um, yeah. D where could everybody find us while we're <laughs> laughing about bowel movements? Uh, we're we're on uh we're on TikTok still, which I should post more on TikTok as I always say, but we're on TikTok at Rule the Galaxy Podcast. We're obviously on YouTube at Rule the Galaxy, which if you guys are watching us on YouTube, we're trying to grow our YouTube channel. Make sure you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It would really help us because we are starting to get some more followers on YouTube. So we really appreciate it. We and are. if you're listening to us on podcast, hop over to YouTube and subscribe anyway. It doesn't cost you anything. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at. We're all over the place. We're on Twitter. We're on everything. And and at all, I think at Instagram, Twitter, I haven't put it on YouTube, but we have the beacon connection to everything on those other social media sites so yes beacon 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 go check it out and you can also email us at rule the galaxy sw at gmail.com um brent it doesn't seem like you've had a good start to the show at all so why not just go at it right here how you doing i mean you know when middle age hits like there are like markers of like the levels and stages of middle age and Mm -hmm. i have never pulled a muscle (laughs) wiping myself but that is definitely the try to do it with the other hands that is epitome of middle age right there yeah wow the whole part of your body you've never used in those mechanics it's a small step into a larger world my friend it's a small step into a larger world um So I always kind of give the updates. We had Asajj Ventress, who is a playable character that was released uh, last month. And this Friday, which I believe when we record this, if you're listening in the United Mm -hmm. States, uh, Commander Cody is now a playable character who works with tanks. And he does some other like, like guardian type things. And he's coming out with Waxer and Boyle. So you can put those guys in. They can do certain things for your team as well. So they come together, the threesome. But those are my, like, Legion's figures that are coming out. Um, and they get really, like I said, he gets dropped Friday. Aside from that, uh, I the schizophrenic weather that we have is, yeah. is, is, is kind of messing with me. But I'm liking today. Yeah, today was a good day. I actually rushed home from work, got the grass cut. Got some things done um, as I'm getting ready to head to vacation. And I will probably be up all night tonight as I'm editing my Italy podcast. And then tomorrow I've got a full day of work. So vacation cannot come soon enough. If you're in the Gulf Shores, Alabama area or know anyone in the Gulf Shores, Alabama area, know of some good comic book shops or toy stores or anything like that, feel free to rule email rulethegalaxysw at gmail.com. We'll check him out while we're down there. So that ought to be fun and interesting. Alfie, you just sent over a nice little story before we get into our guest, T-Bob, who's supposed to be here, which, by the way, he did text me back and is on his way. Um, and before we talk about Mandalorian, we had a nice little story about uh, John Boyega. And uh, maybe 
coming back to the world of Star Wars with this uh, Daisy Ridley movie. I don't buy it. Not yet. I'm, I'll wait for an announcement from him. I'm not going to listen to any rumors or, you know, that that's uh, pretty much wishes at this point. Um, he made some really strong statements about coming back before. Yep. So uh, I think that would really hurt his character as an actor to, to turn right around and come back without something other than uh, a lot of money. A lot of money I mean, and a, a promise to be a key factor yes, of the movie. Right. Yeah. But at this point, how do you erase the damage that was already done? I mean... Mm. I agree. I agree. Um, so I'm... I'm I'm okay whether he comes back or not. It's not going to make or break it. I think it helps maybe get the uh, the. There were a lot of people who liked uh, Finn. Maybe it helps the new movie take off with uh, Finn and Ray together, starting that new Jedi Academy and facing the upcoming troubles. But um, it's not going to make or break it. I don't think for anybody. Disney's putting their money in with Daisy Ridley and Ray and and going from there. So. Um, so let's let's talk about this real quick. We we recapped um, celebration a little bit. Next week we're going to have a definite recap as um, the Duchess is going to come and tell everybody her thoughts of the adventure in England. Um, I can't even imagine what that was like. Uh, I have been told by Mark Newbold and Mark Mulcaster of Fantatrax, who helped run the actual event there. They're going to come on soon and give us a full rundown. So that'll be great to get it from a uh, Great Britain point of view, a UK point of view. But um, is there anything we missed? Is there anything we didn't really hit or touch or go over when it comes to Star Wars Celebration, new announcements, new projects, anything like that? Anyone? I'm not sure. I, I think we pretty much hit all of it. I mean, I know. I mean, we. I don't think we really hit Star Wars Visions, the new trailer that came out for that Visions too. I, mm -hmm. I don't. Maybe we lightly touched on it, but uh, I'm actually excited for that. I went and watched some old uh, Visions because the reason I like it is because it's Star Wars. I go into with no expectations. Um. Yeah, I'm getting background noise from someone. Yeah, I just heard a, a pot drop or something like that. But um, that's okay. That's yeah, it's fun. Maybe Dexter Jetster's making some meals while we're talking. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited for it, especially that one that kind of looks like uh, Wallace and Gromit style yeah. animation. You know, that looks interesting. Uh, I was watching uh, the Elder one, which. That's one that I don't remember if I fully watched through. I thought that was a really good one, actually. It's probably one of the best ones. Uh, and I didn't realize that the voice of Hopper from Stranger Things is in that. And uh, yes. yeah, they, they, they always just get an amazing cast for Vision. So I haven't seen any of like the stars they got for Vision season two, but uh, I'm excited for that. And John Boyega, the Internet's on fire right now because it's like every news outlet is posting that John Boyega is back. So everybody, if you go on Twitter right now, that's what everybody's talking about is John Boyega yeah, is back. But this is all based off of from something that was said in a podcast from somebody. I'm, <laughs> I want him to come back too. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I'm with Brent. 
the Brent mentality here until I see him in a trailer and there's pre-ordering for a film. I, I don't really put much stock into it. I'll believe it when I hear Poe Dameron say somehow John Boyega has returned. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Hey, you know what? The, I'm going to pause because something just popped into my head. Alfie, yes. with your experience you've had recently with your hand and your wrist, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Luke Skywalker had his right hand cut off by Darth Vader in Empire Strikes right. Back. Uh-huh. Is there any possibility, do you think, he had difficulty wiping with his left hand? Or do you think the right hand as a mechanical backup worked just as well? I'm going to say, Why? really, the Why? Only, is the only instance of the refresher that we've seen in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And that kind of looked more like the, you know a, a bidet or something. So I imagine it really wasn't that big of a problem. Okay. So you went with the weirdest question in the world, and Alfie still maintained the Star Wars universe answer. <laughs> was it, yeah, isn't that what they that called it? You no, know, yeah, it was exactly what. Yeah, it was the refresher. Yeah. Mistral <laughs> had he hadn't refreshed since the last solstice. Yeah. But here's the thing: if 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 he is if he does switch back to his strong hand, does he have feeling in it? You might be ripping through paper. Does it really matter you though? Could really do some damage. Do you yeah. got to keep your white hand strong? Is that what you're telling me? You got to keep your white hand strong. Yeah, but I mean, how much sensitivity does that hand have now? You True. might need to permanently switch True. to left hand. Didn't yeah, you watch like a Terminator hand? Like, can he crush with? Didn't that hand? you? Didn't you watch it? They touched it with a needle and it flinched. True, but it, it flinched quite a bit. I mean, it was a good jump when he got hit by that needle. Yeah, Do you God know how much stuff I've set up in my you know, career as a technician, and it works when you do stuff like that, but then as soon as you hit the on button, it just goes to absolute shit in seconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. For those listening for the first time to Rule the Galaxy, just know we don't usually speak that much about bathroom. Yeah, we do. It's like, <laughs> Joe, come on. Let's not sugarcoat and candy stripe this thing here for these people. Hey. Okay. All right. Bath- bathrooms are my bread and butter, man. You clog your toilet, I'm there. That's money, baby. I'd like to hear it. D-Doc, if you only live closer to central Indiana, <laughs> we'd have you set up for years in business. Um, okay. We, we briefly said nothing really stood out to us that we missed or anything from celebration since celebration. Have there been any announcements? It's been a little bit of time. Are there any kind of announcements or anything like that, that um, you guys can think of that stand out or make you take a step back and and look at things? Mm, Maybe the variety report yesterday about the future of the Mandalorian and the X-wing pilot. Okay, but so so what I'm going to go back to, and this is something where I think I've heard John isn't John. Yeah, Favreau. Yeah, Uh, I heard Favreau talk about it when they shelved the Rangers of the New Republic. I think Kathleen Kennedy even said it. I don't know who said it. I can't attribute to it. One of the two of them has said that we are going to like it's a good idea and we're going to continue that storyline whether it's the show or not. And I think John basically said the same thing. Like it will be like, the concept will still be there. Like it's not, we're not going to have our own show, but the concept will still be there. Okay. 
to me, that's what Rangers of the New Republic kind of sounded like would be, you know, a special forces type group checking out all this Imperial remnant stuff. Absolutely. Or whatever they run into, right? I, right. I, the chips of the outer rim, they're going to run into Adventure of the Week, A-team yeah. style, but it was going to be Gina Carano and Carson Taver or something like that. And hell, I don't, it doesn't even really need Mando to do it because I think at this point, I'm a big fan of that dude. And I think he could probably run it. But then again, we've only seen him for about four minutes on over the course of three seasons. Yeah. yeah. So it's, if you see him for too much, he might not do so well. But right now I'm intrigued by him and I can see him running the show. Yeah. But it also sets up like a nice good cop, bad cop kind of feel to it. Cause Carson's going to have all the, you know, administrative paperwork to do. And Mando's just going to be like, well, how about I just kick this door down? <laughs> well, before, before we jump in or we can bring him in and before we talk Mando, I think we have one of the dens here right now, not Den Grogu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. What is up? What is up, man? Checking in. Sorry I was late. Um, I'm just awful. I'm so sad that I missed the 200th anniversary. I literally fell asleep in this girl's bed right here. Odie, come here. Come, come say hello to the camera. Can you see? <laughs> This is this is one of my daughters. She's gonna be three years old tomorrow. Oh so my god! Out in her bed too. This is my other daughter back there. But whatever. The point is, uh, <laughs> I was really really sorry to miss the 200 episode. I'm glad to be here tonight. Sorry I was late, boys. But uh, yeah, um, just just let me know where we're at, and yeah. I'll dive right in. Well, I'm gonna throw a trick question at you to start, and then don't we're do it, Joe. <laughs> Has there ever been a time? With a number one or a number two bathroom process where you hurt yourself. Uh, yeah, I mean, what are we talking about? I'm, I've, 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 uh, Have you pulled a muscle? I've, I've cramped. I've had <laughs> multiple battles with hemorrhoids through the years. Okay. Um, hemorrhoids are brutal. Like, if you've uh, never had a bad no, case of bad. hemorrhoids, it's just awful. I mean, every single movement that you do hurts. It's like... People talk about your core is tied into everything oh, that no. you do. I don't think people realize that your butthole <laughs> is also tied in to pretty much every movement that you do. Like a bad case of hemorrhoids when you have a cough. Oh, God. For disaster. disaster. <laughs> oh, this has been my favorite show in 202 shows. Um, the only reason I, I brought it up, T-Bob, is because Alfie pulled a muscle because he had surgery on his hand, <laughs> so he had to use the other hand. To wipe. I mean, yes. but you got to think. I mean, you got to think, though, at that point, it's like, I don't think we're appreciating how awkward that actually is, right? You spend a lifetime of conditioning a certain movement that involves a certain grouping of muscles, and, like, the second you have to shift, like, okay, I'll, I'll never get it, actually. This is funny. It's all dovetailing. Um, I hate to be like the football guy, but no, we we're played good. Oregon my senior year. Uh, I had a horrible case of hemorrhoids the day of the game. And I remember I was tying my shoe. And as I just bent over to tie my shoe, because I was doing something a bit differently, trying not to hurt, I freaking like pulled a muscle in my back. And if it was a fat, it was so bad. I felt so fat. And, uh, but, but, but it ended up, um, you know, we ended up kicking their ass. It went really well. And every time I got a pancake that night, I just rubbed 
my bloody b-hole all over uh the opponent just really rubbed it in their face i'm gonna <clears throat> i'm going to save this section of the show and just put it out by itself you just, just bloody b-hole rub my bloody b-hole all over his face on repeat yep that is that is a new slogan for the show but hey um we haven't spoken to you in a while yes <laughs> and so what from Star Wars Celebration? Because we we got a chance to talk about that. What from Star Wars Celebration really got you stoked? What was the the announcement or the new shows or new movies? What got I, you pumped? I haven't so I haven't done my deep dive yet into Star Wars Celebration, but that doesn't mean I mean obviously that doesn't mean that I missed everything, right? But like I'm just saying this so that uh, this opinion is uh, subject to change based okay. on more research, but. As it stands now, I love the confirmation uh, that Dave Filoni is going to get a Star Wars movie to finish telling this story as Disney continues their multi-billion dollar quest to uh, justify uh, five little words or three words. Somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> Think about it. You, I mean, you write it as like just a little <laughs> offline and then like you're like $10 billion later. You're like, guys, I think it works. I think it finally works. <laughs> Um, so no, look, obviously we all love Filoni, love seeing him be in this last episode and, uh, what a rise for that man, right? Mm -hmm. Going from mega star Wars nerd to getting the big chance. I mean, creating avatar first, which is awesome. Right. And obviously that's why he gets the chance to do clone wars in getting to meet with Lucas and pricing Lucas so much that he's fully trusts him to kind of with the vision to justify the prequels doing that rising to live action, directing live action television shows, getting John Favreau on his side with his vision and his mastery of the lore. And now that, little star Wars nerd who is really just like any of us at one time, um, just with better professional animation skill is now going to be helming a live action star Wars movie. Like the climb is officially complete yeah. for our guy, Dave Filoni. And that is, uh, there is something really nice from afar in that. And so I love that. And, uh, I mean, the Ahsoka trailer was super, super tight. Uh, Ahsoka is like, Ahsoka is the next big mover and shaker. I would be okay, and I'm sure we'll get into this, Amanda. I'd be okay with Din and company kind of chilling for a little bit or being used in ancillary ways um, here and there. Like, I don't even know that I need another Mandalorian season. <laughs> okay. It was so incredibly satisfying. Yeah, well, this we, one felt like a really good ending to yeah, me. Me too. Yeah, Joey, uh, Joey reached out to me today, and he was like, Dad, do we, do we think? That might have been it for Mando. He's like, it really felt like that Mando isn't coming back, or if he is, he's coming back as part of something else. And yes, uh, yeah. So interesting. I feel like, and um, yeah, I, I I feel pretty strongly that again. Again, I'll always allow writers to come up with creative angles. I'm not considering and, and sell me on anything, right? But. I, I was really touched at the end of that episode to think about the journey that we've been on over these three seasons, these 24 episodes where Mando was when we first met him, which a lot of people want to paint him as just like a, you know, a true like rogue, like bounty hunter, which he wasn't really. He was always committed to the cause. Like he had a higher purpose. He was a religious zealot. Like the entire time, everything he did was given back to the clan for foundlings and everything else, right? So, like, so I don't think he wasn't like a a a a Boba Fett or like a Han Solo type character. He always had a little more conviction 
I think, than those guys did. But to go from the solo, hardened man um, that, that, that had that conviction but really had no higher quest to now the man that we saw sitting in this beautiful home on Navarre, a town that he helped rescue and literally had a huge hand in bringing it to this prosperous state that it's in, having his son there with him. It was, I just found it to be a deeply satisfying character arc. And it's not to say that we can't revisit him because Mm -hmm. obviously I think he has to be involved in the movie some way, even though a time skip's probably coming somewhere, right? Like, Like Din Djarin could be involved and should be involved in stories going forward. But again, I just don't know um that but you know money probably dictates will do this but i don't know that i feel like today that i need another episode another season of the mandalorian okay okay well before we because that was good i mean we started with ahsoka and then switched over to that but uh we'll we'll, we'll hop back real quick into celebration i know you were a big ray guy yes what are your thoughts on the ray post-sequel uh movie plan i love doing more Ray because I think there's so much meat left on the bone. There's so much potential that's kind of been wasted up to this point. Um, I saw a quote from Kathleen Kenny that I don't know that I loved because we're still, and, and, and I want to be clear, dude, I do not think um, this is my opinion. I do not think that star Wars problems arise from any striving for wokeness or anything else like that. Like I don't want to be pigeonholed, or are or, or cast among some of the Kathleen Kennedy haters who approach us from a bit of a um, political standpoint, because that's not how I feel about it. I think, in my opinion, where me and Kathleen Kennedy have had our quibbles is um, she capitulated. I think she had a real vision with those first two sequels. Now, granted, and and and, and it's not, and, and and she looked, she capitulated on Solo as well, right? Like, let Lord Miller finish that movie that they were making. Like, I always want creators to be empowered. She should. I don't even like those Jurassic Park movies. I think they would have been better off sticking with Trevor, right? So I just feel like she kind of capitulated the pressure, and it exacerbated a lot of the very issues that she was trying to solve. And then the quote about the Ray movie: they're still talking about Jedi. I mean, I'm done with Jedi. I don't know. I'm I'm done with Jedi. It's it's a it's a it's they're they're just a broken group. They 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 became slaves to bureaucracy and politics. Doesn't mean you can't have good guys. Doesn't mean you can't have good force wielders. But I'm done chasing this ghost that is so obviously flawed. And uh, that that's why Kylo's speech I still think about from Last Jedi all the time because I was ready to leave it all behind. I was ready to go explore new climbs with these force users, and yet. The quote that I saw the other day is like the Jedi don't really know what they're doing and the Empire doesn't know like I, like what like what are we I don't know. So I love Ray. I hope they nail the Ray movie. I hope they kill I would give it to Bryce Dallas Howard. I don't know if they've attached a director yet. But yeah, they, have. Um, they have. Who who yeah. is the director? The director know? from Miss Marvel. Um, the TV series. I didn't see Miss Marvel, so I don't know anything about that. I'm pretty down on Marvel right now. I just did none of it really gets me going <laughs> at all. Um so yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I love Ray as a character. I don't know that uh, I have a ton of faith that they're telling the type of story that I think that I want. But again, ideas are ideas. As we know, it's all about the execution of the ideas. You can make a bad movie with a great idea. You can make a good movie with something that I think is a bad idea. Just can you execute? And obviously, we're all going to watch. So, like, I'm willing to allow them to do that. But, yeah, I I, I mean, I would I'd love for them to nail it because I'm obsessed with Ray. 
Okay. Good, good. Guys, any comments off of all the T-Bob stuff right there we just got? Any thoughts? Saw some heads nodding going Yeah, on. I mean, I think the stuff that he brings up about the Jedi stuff, like, you know, they said she's going to be having a Jedi Academy again and stuff like that. So, like, you figure it's going to be going into a lot of the similar struggles that Jedi have gone through in these movies already. The struggles that the teacher goes through, the struggles that the Padawan goes through, which, like, obviously that stuff can, like, you know, there's still a place for it in Star Wars. I mean, we've already seen Ray deal with those things, though. So, I mean... I don't know. I really do look at this as them giving her Daisy Ridley and this cast an opportunity to say this movie is not part of the Skywalker saga anymore. So people don't need to hold that weight on them. This is just their own movie. Like, and that's why I, I really feel like this is almost like being like, you know, you guys probably got a raw deal with some of the criticism you got. So here's your own movie, you know, so we'll, we'll see. And it wasn't, and it's not a trilogy, right? So Alfie, go ahead. First, uh, it will be part of the Skywalker saga. If they didn't want it to be part of the Skywalker saga, they wouldn't have included that ending. And so, <laughs> That's true. I, That's also, true. <laughs> I also love Ray as a character. I loved her as a character for my children. I think she was great. Yeah, me too. My kids, you know, my daughter is obsessed with her, and I love it. It's like me and Luke Skywalker. My biggest problem with this is just like right now with Ahsoka and Mando, you stood on a stage 15 years ago and said, those stories are done. We're coming up with our own stuff. And now mm. you're trotting out doing, you know, this dance saying, you guys ready for Thrawn? How about some of those Luke Skywalker stories you wanted, but now we're just going to do it with Ray. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fine. And I hope it's something completely different, but the way you're explaining it sounds like, well, you spent all this time trying to come up with your own story, and instead you're just going back and saying, actually, those stories were better, so how about we just retool them for our new characters? I mean, it is crazy how quickly they kind of... Yeah, I mean, how... how no, I guess, I mean, look, I guess you have... You have um, you have Mandalorian, you have Rogue One. But yeah, I do remember the excitement of thinking like, oh, we're really going to get like all new characters and all these different elements of the universe that we have well hmm, actually know that i'm talking about this out loud though if we really look at it on balance while they're in the same story and or stylistically is incredibly different and i thought it was awesome like i absolutely loved andor i was on the edge of my seat my entire time i think it's one of the best star wars things ever made uh rogue one was a cast of characters that we've never met before and that was really well done Mandalorian's obviously been the biggest thing of the new era and it's all really relatively new and it brought a faction and you know Mandalorians that were never really involved in the original trilogies to the fore so so maybe there's a bit more of that than I'm giving them credit for but I guess at the outset it just sounded like we'd be getting like a ton of movies maybe it's that I'm just not giving them credit because it's kind of shifted more into like streaming or something and and then there were some misses along the way as well I mean the further we get from Boba doesn't feel great. And Obi-Wan, I think COVID really kind of, I feel like COVID really kind of, Obi-Wan had a high highs, certainly, but I feel like the overall consistency of the show was really negatively affected by COVID. Go ahead, Brent. I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, but it had to, oh, so Star Wars, here's the thing, like Star Wars is synonymous with the Force. Everyone who is a fan of the Star Wars, if you've listened to what people say in the forums and everything like that, they're looking for some sort of Force 
revelation. They're looking for some sort of force powers and everything. Um, watch the Bad Batch. I don't know if you sit and listen to the things. There is a constant conversation that Omega has some sort of force abilities. There want to be force. There wants to be a force user. It has no force user, but they want to have a force user. You talk about Andor, which I absolutely loved. The fandom wants Luthen to be a, a Jedi. They want them to be, him to have some sort of latent force powers. The the force you cannot have Star Wars without at least a little bit of the force. Now, Jedi as a religion may be wrong, but you yeah. have to include and you have to include some sort of the mysticism of the force to really get people going and get people to really think that it's Star Wars. Yeah, no, look, and, and, I, and I don't disagree. Now, now for me personally, I don't think that I need any force in Andor. I mean, how could you need anything more than the Luthen monologue from the bridge? Uh, it's, it's like probably the best, it's arguably the best monologue that Star Wars has ever had, ever. And, and to my, like one of my favorite monologues in any form of entertainment ever. I mean, the writing is unreal in that scene um but but i do agree when i say in the ray movie move past the jedi i'm not saying move past the force right ray has a yellow saber <laughs> which is already a pretty distinct departure from the past and so yeah forge you know because i feel like the lesson of the jedi at this point is um you know they were good for a while but they've kind of run their course and and everybody who's tried to recreate that it has ended up uh going awry so yeah still have force users absolutely that's still the driving force on a lot of this i just don't think it needs to be couched in jedi and 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 as far as bad guys go i mean can we keep doing imperials and uh, that's yeah pseudo imperials that's, that's one of my big things and i hope i hope more than anything in the <clears throat> excuse me in the ray movie that if they are going to steal and plunder some of the EU or some of the other stories that were written, I hope they kind of follow. I mean, <clears throat> they named it the New Jedi Order. I hope they kind of take some of that and say, let's bring in some alien force, some outside yeah. thing. I don't care if it's the same. Yes. But I don't need a third round of the Empire. I mean, the First Order, all that, okay. We went through it twice, but... I'm ready for something new and different on that as well. <laughs> we can't kill more fucking stormtroopers. But then, I to mean, my point, just, you're just, just you're just ripping off the new Jedi Order even harder. Yeah, <laughs> if you have an okay. alien bad guys. Well, would you rather see another Hux, another Tarkin, another? No, 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 no. no I completely no. agree with you, and I get what you're saying. But to my point, again, you're just going back on your word of saying we're making new stuff by incorporating more of an old story that you said you were getting rid of. I mean, give me, uh, this might be my a whole point tired. is you never, I, I, and I understand you can't go back in time and change the past, but they never should have taken that position of saying we are doing away with this. It was a very Jedi, bad business decision. <laughs> yeah. Last Jedi went so awry, or at least the reaction so, that they just, they capitulated. The, you're, you talk about this thing that happened 10 to 15 years ago. I will tell you right now, I know nothing about that. You're talking like you talk about this, like people know about this. And there are other podcasters, there's other forums that talk about this happening. But I'm telling you sitting right here, you're talking about some ghost thing that happened. And I don't even that know Kathleen that Kathleen Kennedy said that I don't stuff. even know. I don't even I, I understand what you're saying, but understand where I'm coming from. I never heard it. I had no idea that that's going on. 
I it it's so far from my like world view that it doesn't bother me at all. Right, and that's where you and I constantly, you know, and we agree on this that there's a 50-50 split. Okay, so they're banking on that 50% being, you know, really excited about this and overcoming people like me, the other 50% saying, well, wait a minute. You said we, you weren't doing Thrawn because the very first thing you typed in on the day of your announcement of buying Star Wars was, well, episode seven be, and if you typed it into Google, it said Thrawn. First thing, Thrawn, heir to the Empire. See, I'm, you specifically I'm, said we are not doing those stories. So I'm kind of a bit of both, maybe, where I feel like, I, I mean, I do remember the announcement. I remember the excitement um, of thinking of, oh, you took a bath? That's great, baby. Uh, of, of thinking about what's what's coming next. But I also love Thrawn, you know? And so, like, I'm like, and I know you do too, Alfie. So it's like, yeah, and I'm, I, I get and I'm what just... you're saying. I get what you're saying. But even though I remember that, ultimately, if you give me, like, like I like Thrawn as a bad guy. Now, maybe not moving forward into the Ray Air, right? I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think I'm maybe more into the idea of, like, I really loved, even though I don't think he maybe had as big of an impact as I thought he would, I really loved, like, the pirate faction uh, from Mando. Like, I love um, the idea of like Prince broccoli Jesus the hut or something. Yeah, hey, <laughs> dude, like- dude, dude, dude. Look, at least they went for it, you know. And <laughs> and did. and he gave off a he had a piratical shape language, right? Even if he was a bit goofy, if you saw him, hold up, you hold felt up, pirate. Okay, I just had uh, I'm a dumb moment a piratical shape image. <laughs> no shape uh, language. Like so when you for saw what him, the hell are you piratical. talking about? So 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 what I'm saying is that. When you saw his like silhouette, his movements, his vibe, it spoke to pirate, even though he was made of celery. Broccoli the Hut is very fucking funny. <laughs> it's a mix of Broccoli the Hut and Pirates of the Caribbean with uh, yes. Davy Jones's locker. Yes, no, very, very true, very true. But guess what, dude? I thought Davy Jones was pretty great back in the day. Well, yeah, that was. I, 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 it was good. I just didn't expect to see him on in a uh, John Luke Picard. Uh, captain's chair. I will always go for cheesy prosthetics <laughs> and practical <laughs> effects over 3D. My brain just likes it better, which is where I'm a bit interested to see how they're, you know, because they're going to have to start doing mixtures of Grogu eventually, even though I love mm-hmm. the puppet work, like when he becomes like the, you know, the they already do. badass. Um, I, I, I'm sure they do. And, and you know what, to their credit, I'm not even really noticing it that much. Like, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job of of it looking, you know, practical, a lot of the Grogu scenes. Yeah, so, I, I saw a still yeah. actually of when he was doing his little trapeze act in the last episode where like uh, some, someone on Twitter, sorry, I don't know what your name was, but they were like, you can totally tell that someone's just rolling the camera and they're taking the puppet and just throwing it in the air for like certain. Yeah, trapeze. hell yes, dude. <laughs> because, That's the like, good stuff. There was a still where Grogu was just in the air, just like <laughs> it looked like someone. Just <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff, too, honestly, like. They wanted to do more CGI, apparently, and like one of the puppet masters called them like cowards. No, no, time. no! It was Werner Herzog. Okay, so yeah, I read someone director. called him cowards. Yes, no. So it was the guy who played, you know, who first sent the client. Mando. The client yes, the yeah. client. Thank you, uh, legendary director. And he told them, like in between takes, he found himself 
like talking to the public, interacting with them. And, and they were shooting it with the public and they were shooting it clean for digital, right? And yeah, he's like, if you don't go to the public, uh, you're cowards. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you have something here. Like, you have to embrace it and, and lean into it. You must keep the baby. <laughs> uh, and so, and so, yeah, like, and, and, and that's what I love about this show, right? You, you, you bring in somebody who's a legendary talent of their own in a role you would never expect. He knocks it out of the park and then he gives you this kind of invaluable insight that you end up carrying forward into the rest of this thing. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely works. And, and really I love that they've had to push themselves on Grogu's puppetry, right? They continue to have to try to develop new techniques. He's a leg scampering around now. His yeah. eyes and face are more alive than ever. Um, and so anything that pushes forward, like money, investment, and research into practical effects tinged with digital, I'm I'm very into. Well, we we have jumped into already Mandoverse with our discussion, even though we were gonna like, hey, make sure we cover everything else. It, we've hopped right in, and that's okay because now we can really jump into it. And I'll just start. I'll just start the table right here. Um, chapter twenty four, the end of season three. Uh, what was it called? The return. Uh, I think I enjoyed pretty much every bit of the show. I think um, as Brent likes me to talk about every time there were some toys that could be sold tomorrow with the <laughs> characters that were in this show that I don't understand why they're not on the shelves because they were awesome. My wife, who wa one of the only things she watches Star Wars with me is the Mandalorian. And I said for our grandson, Frankie, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we had the IG-12 with a little Grogu in it for him to play with. And she goes, can we get that? Yes. And I was like, yes. I was like, yes, exactly. Yes. It, and, and she's like, ah. can we get it? And I Give said, me a well, second. Like, that was good. So like 2026, <laughs> we'll be able to get it. Right. Um, so, but I, I loved, I loved that. I felt like again, just like I've said, some of the best parts of star Wars and the best parts of the Mandalorian, they were able to wrap in the clone wars, the prequels, the original, the original trilogy and the sequels, all into this show they were able to add animated think how many times in like the mandalore season or the mandalore arcs in clone wars where you saw mandalorians flying at each other like crazy and then in season seven where the big battle happened on mandalore right we finally get to see that in a live action setup and bows going around with the dark saber and the armor is whacking people with Ooh. the with the hammer right in the middle of the air right i thought that she was, was a spy I kind of I, I kind of I heard that theory. My buddy told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." But uh, she quickly disabused us. Hey, she disabused us of that notion. Sorry to cut you off, Joe. I just was. I thought she was a spy. Everyone told me she was a spy. I didn't huh? tell you that. I know, D Doc, D Doc, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, D Doc. Wow, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he's pulling yeah. out receipts. He's pulling out receipts. It's a good theory. It's a good theory. It made sense. Um, it's a terrible theory. But I know I, Alfie was saying it the whole time, but I was like, <laughs> told him I said Doc, I'm in too Doc, deep now. I can't. Doc bought in. Doc got in the conspiracy theory. Okay, while we're on the armor of combat, yeah, it was undeniably awesome and visceral and great. One thing that I like too is when battling Beskar, it's actually a pretty uh, functional way to fight, right? Mm -hmm. In that, like, if you were battling a knight in badass plate armor in medieval times, mm -hmm. like, edged weapons weren't the best thing. You needed a bludgeoning weapon. So here she is with a, a, a 
Beskar, you know, two Beskar bludgeoning tools flying through the air like 100 miles an hour. Like, yeah, that's probably actually a way more effective way to kill a Mandalorian than a gun where you have to hit him exactly in the pit or the neck or whatever, and uh, or, or than a blade that can't cut through their armor. I I agree with you 100%. I, I will just say buy this. that one yeah. yesterday. Yeah, I'm just like looking at some images here, and I'm like, just uh, th th these these Moff Gideon. I mean, his suit was incredible for this. Yeah, Horned helmet. And okay, so so since you went to that, you showed the picture. All right, Let, I mean, I know it was at the end of the show, and I hate the fact that we, no, go that ahead, we're hitting to the end Hit of it. the show. But there are two things about that. One, and I'm going to ask you. Was it a clone that was in there? And two, the reason why I ask if it was a clone is it sounded as if it was a motorized suit. Uh, look, I that that's one of the biggest questions I have, Brent. I'm right there with you, man. So uh, he didn't have the facial hair that Gideon has had through the season, mm -hmm. right? Uh, he had an odd something to him. Um, and, and granted, it's because the suit was somewhat motorized, right? Like it's a combination of the the it's the, the dark trooper. Armor. Yes, it's, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a combination he of dark troopers. He says yes. it's the next generation of dark trooper armor. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so because it's I got can, him in it, though, right? Yes, because yes. it's got him in. No, not only that, but because it's made of Beskar. Yeah. So he took the droid parts of it, you know, basically like Iron Man. So what I can't tell I was going to go RoboCop. It sounded like he was walking like RoboCop. No, but it sounded like the RoboCop. It sounded like the Dark Troopers at the end of season two. RoboCop. So what about this, though? Because when I rewatched, I've been trying to nail down how I feel about this. If you look at his face, there's an odd, almost frame rate stop motion thing going on. But I can't tell. Is that them animating the suit? Or is it supposed yes. to be stilted because it's a clone in that armor? D-Doc, yeah. you had something. Yeah, that was honestly from his first appearance. I thought he was talking differently because yes. he was pausing. This is my armor. Like he was like, you know, like he was really like. <laughs> That's a good moth, by the way. He was like doing like some hardcore. Like it really felt like he was reading from a script when he was talking. And Juan Carlo Esposito is a great actor. And Moff Gideon didn't talk like that before, really. I so, can like, answer this very easily. Let's right. go, Alfie. Book okay. of Alfie. This goes back to the last episode. Actually, <laughs> let's go back two episodes. Okay. To the Dome City with Jack Black and oh, Lizzo. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So when they show uh, Christopher Lloyd on the screen, in the on the little computer screen, and it has this arabesque, you know, next to him describing his character it is translated to this means absolutely nothing but you will go crazy i can't remember the exact thing it says Wait, but you will go crazy <laughs> yes it says 100 this is what it says it says oh this God. means absolutely nothing but you will go crazy trying to figure it out okay go to the last episode they use the word spies which mm -hmm. I tried to tell you spies did not mean what it meant. And that goes back to the Sopranos when John Favreau was on the Sopranos and he explained that uh, words have different meanings, especially uh, uh, like Jewish slang. Okay. So they said they use the word spies. What did we do for a week? 
We oh went crazy God. with theories about who oh this guy was. Mm-hmm. If you watch this episode, there is a gazillion cuts with Axe Wolves when he goes up to the cruiser, playing on the fact that everyone has assumed he's the spy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch Bo-Katan's group, yeah, they were waiting for there's him a ton to of cuts that. waiting uh, for you, where yeah. you are waiting for those uh, skinny Pete from uh, Breaking Bad and the guy from Top Gun are with Bo-Katan, and it keeps cutting away because they were the second possibility of being the spies, and what did they find? A farm. Yeah. And they know you are going to go insane trying to figure out if Moff Gideon was a clone or not. Mm. Is he a clone? There's a possibility he could. And it's something that they're probably going to play on for years to come in case they ever need a villain to come back. I, I So I like that, a little meta manipulation there. I, I wouldn't mind if they did like a little DBZ technique where Gideon's back, but then like Thrawn or whoever the next big bad is just like immediately eliminates him. It's like it's like when like Frieza shows back up and you're like, oh my God, we just saw Frieza. It was so hard. It was so insane. What are we going to do? And then like Trump's like kills Frieza in like two seconds. It is like, but hey, there's somebody way worse coming. Like that, that well, like I, I wouldn't like if you're going to go the clone route, that I, I feel like that might be something interesting. And if, if you're gonna go the clone route, you have to accept that Gideon, being the person that he is, would allow his clone to interact on his behalf with the Shadow Council. Didn't he seem a little too attached to his like clones though that were in there almost as if he was one of them when he was like, You didn't even give them a he's, chance to breathe? He's like, been doing this behind everyone's back and he was almost done. And yeah, you know, <laughs> he just let Mando destroy him. That's his own fault. He went Dr. Evil and he didn't even show up until Mando <laughs> had thwarted the evil plan that he had monologued to Mando himself about. <laughs> I would have peed my pants when the eyes opened. Yeah, that was, that was pretty <laughs> creepy, dude. That was so creepy. Why like, no is shit. It? Just like punch the glass and break up. <laughs> why is the clone room the command center of this base? Why wouldn't it have been the room where Gideon was at looking at the giant view screen of the base? Look, you know, you bomb out a planet. You got to work with where the rocks fall. Secret base design, evil base design. It's a hell of a thing, man. You got to kill the architects halfway through building to get another set <laughs> yeah. of architects okay, in there. But like you there's say- no cohesion vision. <laughs> But you say it's an it's secret planet bombed out. Say what blah blah blah. They ran into these Imperial Mandalorians when they were trying to get to the forge of Mandalore. So this is like the holy shrine, the armor's holy shrine, the Mandalorian where they forged Beskar. This is where they built the uh, Imperial bunkers. So I don't know right. if it was like a bombed out area. I think they just. He just knew that this was important and built around yeah, it. You build your shrine upon the shrine of your enemies that you yeah. defeated. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's a classic human move. That, that, that's, that's true. <laughs> Here's my question Why did they make the damn official poster? Why does he have a mustache in the official poster? So yeah. that you would be it's, this way. It's the mustache. Hey, it is the it all comes Give back me a to good the mustache. mustache theory, man. I love it. Give me a D- good mustache theory. D Doc, the armor is a spy. That's why they put a mustache on that poster. Listen, it makes sense I'm, to me. I'm past that conspiracy theory. I'm on to a new one now. All right. 
<laughs> See, but this is okay to, to run with Alfie's theory, though. Now they're going to pull a classic double cross where you don't think the armor is a spy, but oh, wait, she helped the actual Gideon escape, just like she did from the Lambda shuttle with the uh, with the best guard that she left behind. Yeah, uh, D-Doc, you you're not dead in the water yet, dude. Don't give up the fight. <laughs> We're gonna, we are going deep here, deep conspiracy theories. Yes. And give me a mustache theory any day. I mean, I would absolutely love it. But well, obviously, there's a guy you have an had incredible a mustache. mustache. You have an excellent mustache yourself. Thank you. Um, I got, I got, I got a, I got a, I got a quibble with this season. I want y'all's take on it, and it sucks mm -hmm. because it's one of those things that's kind of out of everybody's control. But um, unfortunately, one of my things that I didn't that didn't really resonate with me this season, uh, the music. You know, I think you really miss Ludwig Gorenson. And it's not even, I, I feel bad that I don't know the new composer off the top of my head because they're dealt an impossible hand, right? This Ludwig Gorenson has carried the, the mantle of Williams and actually lived up to it somehow, but in a creative new age way, like he created themes where I caught myself listening, especially season two, listening to season two soundtrack all the time, mm -hmm. just casually hanging out. And I've never once even thought, about putting on the Mando season three track again, though, this new guy's in the top position because he has to maintain those themes. He can't truly make it its own. Mm -hmm. And whereas Gordonson was building this ever expanding kind of empire of hooks and riffs and, and growing it. And it does kind of bum me out. Cause I would have loved to see the emotional swell that he would have created for this final episode. And, and uh, yeah, man, I just hope they can get him back in one way or another in the future. Well, first of all, before Alfie starts, I'm just going to tell you, Brent usually watches the shows without any background music. He just he just watches with just dialogue and the closed caption. That's it. So, it's, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, it's so lost on me. It's so lost on me. All of that music not talk a score is so guy. lost on me. He does not like the music. He doesn't oh, care dude. for music in this stuff. It's all I listen to is movie scores. I like, don't listen to any pop music. It's, it's just movie scores constantly on my Spotify. I'm in the top 0.1% of John Williams <laughs> listeners in the world. Uh, Alfie, go ahead. I would agree with you, T-Bob, because how can you end a season with, I think, is it called Friend? That was uh, the finale yes, in season of two. There was there was like two? there was like open the door, which is incredible. Yeah. Friend was incredible. The how can you ask someone to follow that up? Yeah, I don't know. That was an crazy, just an amazing piece of music that incorporated so many different, like classic Star Wars uh, cues in it. I think yes. it, you know, what the it even had the acto steps in finale in it you know i mean that, that's asking an awful lot to then give someone an open slate and say hey can you make something this good yeah make something this good but you also have to use this stuff like you right, can't right. actually just do whatever your vision is you have to keep these uh character themes but hey you know what it proves man as badass as star wars is when christopher nolan comes calling because that's what he's been doing is Oppenheimer, right? Yeah. When Christopher Nolan comes calling, like, you know, hey, you don't say no. I mean, how crazy is that? Think about it. He just replaced Hans Zimmer. Hans yeah. Zimmer's not dead. Hans Zimmer hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> and Nolan just says, straight up said, look, man, uh, sorry, Hans. I'm not rolling with you this movie. I'm going with Ludwig. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's incredible. And I mean, that's, that's a only... pretty big call up from the miners right there. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. He's great. And that's like... I, if I'm not mistaken, they they used the composer from um, 
the Book of Boba Fett show for for this season. So I think they grabbed a guy from Book of Boba Fett to to continue uh, this. And you only would like hear those bits and pieces, you know, like like say Mando like completes a kill or something, and it will kind of do like that little like you know yeah. like they would they would they would do those and you know they would do the at the title boom boom like so you felt the vibes then but yeah i mean a score means everything to me like mm. i mean like <clears throat> one of my favorite songs by john williams is the freaking um hyperspace uh score where like it's just like there's there's so many there's so many things that he did that made the original trilogy of star wars uh, what it is like so you know think about well, the indiana jones theme what would indiana yeah. jones be without that like uh, th- these things really go hand in hand with each other it I sucks mean, that he had to change out mid- we all mid- know show. about the uh the famous um you know original trilogy stories about how the actors and everybody they're filming it they're reading the script they're like we don't get it we don't mm-hmm. get it and they finally see their first screen with the music and they're like oh <laughs> shit we get it now <laughs> Like, oh, okay, really, okay, I, I under, this is epic. Like, this is great, this is high fantasy of, of like an ancient mythological order, and it took that score to kind of propel it. And I mean, dude, Attack of the Clones, okay, not a well-made movie. Has place in my heart, certainly. You know, not a well-made movie. Um, Across the Stars is one of my favorite pieces of music in my entire life. It, it, it is a story unto itself with this beautiful theme that builds. It, 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 it's basically Romeo and Juliet. And I want you to know you T-Bob, feel that longing immediately, immediately we, when you hear that little that little ditty. We uh, during the 200th episode, we had a song ready for each person. We did have that teed up for you. Hell yeah! Um, it just sat there dormant. I know, so. I know, and I and I sat there dormant in my daughter's bed. I've been there, passed out. Yeah, I would. No. I would just like to point out the upgrades that we have made to this show so far. Is yeah, this not amazing? We've value, had boys. music, D-Dot. pictures, you know, video. I mean, hey, this is, is that what happens when you go a hundred thousand on uh, YouTube, like our boy Doc's about to do? Is I'm trying to. I'm you trying. Black, then you get production values. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm trying out here. Go ahead, Brent. Can we talk about Kang from the Ninja Turtles and how he got destroyed by the Praetorian Guard? Wait, who 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 is Kang, Kang? The the brain that was inside the belly of the big like beast thing in Ninja Turtles. Uh, no was, one knows what I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. Okay. So there's one person on my wavelength here. Okay. So anyway, it was Baby Grogu in <laughs> IG12. If look up Kang oh, from Ninja Turtles. I remember yes, this guy yes, now. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Last absolutely. I didn't say it last week, but that's all I could think of when I was like, oh, that looks like Kang. <laughs> and so <laughs> he got destroyed and he got his butt kicked. Praetorian. Hey, but nice to see the Praetorian guard do, you know. But he also, but also Grogu did his he did his work, right? Like yeah. once he was taken down, he got away from him. But he, he had the high ground. But uh, but he's kind of clumsy, you know. I mean, that the robot, it's just it's a, baby. A, little, it's a little. What do you expect? He's just a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and all right, so and I'm, I'm throwing all that out. And then the other thing that made me in that scene, um, it was reminiscent to me of the uh, Empire Strikes Back, Luke and Vader fight in the rafters. It would just, I was getting that vibe. Or do yeah. you mean Jedi? Oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, yes, Jedi. Jedi. My bad. I said the wrong. I liked thing. how he was kind of laughing the whole time he was running away from the. <laughs> yes, he, <laughs> he was. He was very. I, one thing I really liked about this scene, 
actually this whole sequence leading up to it, Den was an absolute badass. Beast in his tank he style. Freaking badassery. beast yep. mode. Yeah. And you know, at one point when he was fighting the Praetorian guards, he grabbed the energy weapon by hand, you know, and then shot the dude in the foot. Like, yeah, that's just cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's been a while since we've seen it. Right. I mean, I'm, I, yeah. I, I hate to bring up bad things, but like, I will never forgive them for letting the parkour boys trap Boba Fett. Like, what the fuck was that in the Boba Fett season? <laughs> Especially after we watched him take an entire squad. Of and and even Dan, you know, we, we, we've we seen him be good at combat lately, but he hasn't had the feeling of the guy in the first season who faced down four stormtroopers and was like, I like these odds. Like, I'm not in trouble. Y'all mm-hmm. are in trouble. And then when he's working through the red force fields one by one, like, it's like, ooh, <laughs> our boy is back in a big way. So, again, that brought right back to a prequel call. Yeah. Phantom Menace. Yes, you felt that step. Man. That was the, the dumbest thing from the <laughs> – from the Phantom Menace. <laughs> it Why was dumb in this one too, no, though. Let's dumb. be honest. that they were Jedi. Why cool. wouldn't they use the Force to open the door? It was no. cool, but yeah. it was still like I hate that stuff. You it's can't. Like when Obi Wan is in the ship and all the little droids are crawling over him, you're like, "Oh, I'm in trouble." It's like, why wouldn't you just knock him off with the Force? You're a freaking Jedi Master. <laughs> Wait, but how how could you open how could you open the Force the the, the blast doors of the Force though? Like the Force like the Force fields it's by activating the mechanisms in it. Yeah, but you, you but but can you splice with the force? Like you can but physically manipulate. Obi Wan uses Obi Wan uses the force to open doors all the time in Attack of the Clones. Pneumatic doors, though. These are electronic <laughs> doors, right? If you don't know the right comment, all, all I'm saying is <laughs> pneumatics. I, sorry, but pneumatics work off of electronics. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, hoisted on my own petard. Yeah, it always <laughs> comes back to twenty-four volts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, I, um, ahead, so it was to go back to the fight. It almost made me feel bad for Paz Vizsla and that he's not a very good fight. Like, thank kinda, you. That was it, my whole problem with this episode. Like, it, it cheapened Paz because the way that Din went like a badass. <clears throat> It made me feel like okay, so Paz was nothing. Well, hold I, on though, Din's way more they, badass than Paz. We've they seen have that. their own. They have their own skills though too. I mean, he's yeah. better so, from a distance with that big gun. Right? Paz my took coworker, out like a million. He took out like he five or six dudes too. Did he? Like, five he or six. There's like fifteen or. 20, okay, yeah, that's what I'm like. saying. He took out like a whole <laughs> squadron too. A, a coworker of mine who watched it just said, "I think he was just tired from using the gun so much. Like it took a lot yeah. out of him. So yeah, he was tired. Done. So he was tired. The guard were easier to kill because he was tired." So, look, this episode, I'm going to give my take on it here real quick. There are things that I absolutely love and then hate at the same time. I I love this episode as just an episode, but I felt it was way too safe and way too of just let's tie a nice bow on it and end it and move on to the next phase. I wanted a little bit more, but then again, at the same point in the time, I love the fact that no one showed up to help mm-hmm. them. Yeah, because I they're like fucking the Mandalorians, and they don't need anyone's help. Yeah, and at the end of the episode, they're back. You know, the Mandalorians are back, and yes. I love that. But then at the same time, it's like, but then just like with the Jedi, we're talking about, we're doing the same thing again. We're going to isolate the Mandalorians by themselves on Mandalore. That we've already done that; it went bad. Is that going to happen again? So I would have liked to see Carson show up with his, you know, X-Wing squad and help him out a little bit to bring them more into the story rather than just doing the same story again. I want Mandalore to be, 
I want Mandalore to be a free independent player in the space. Like I, I, I want them to be free of, if they want to create some sort of new first order, new empire, um, if you want to stick with the Republic or whatever, like I want Mandalore to be some sort of gray area, third faction where they're not wholly good. They're not wholly bad. And they're right. uber powerful. Right. Like they're going to be like the Wakanda in the Avengers, you know, whenever the, the big story, you know, comes to, you know, it's a climax, you know, they'll be the ones that face Thrawn or whatever. I get that. I get what you're trying to set up here but so that same- it doesn't affect the, New Republic in the sequels. At, but that's what I was going to say. We have the sequels coming up where there's no mention of anything Mandalorian at right. all. And, and there that. has to be. There has to be, dude. That would feel insane to me if you don't have a grown-up Grogu or an older Grogu like leading or in the hierarchy and uh, Mandalore as a major galactic player. That, that would feel... I, I don't know. I that that would just feel shocking to me. I think they're setting it up pretty well with the New mm. Republic as being you know, pretty much inept and drowned in paperwork. So it's probably on somebody's desk somewhere, and they never get to it. Well, like what is what is the New Republic though? Post Rise of Skywalker, there is no New Republic. Exactly, Nobody's that's what left. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So there is the potential there for a cohesive and on like in chaos. What does a little finger tell us? Chaos is a ladder, right? It can be climbed. Like a cohesive resurgent Mandalore mm-hmm. can climb the chaos of the galaxy and can become the dominant force, right. even potentially. Especially with Boba Fett controlling the underworld. And yeah. then the Mandalorians are pretty much the only ones left with a central type of yeah army or even lifestyle, yeah. basically. Governance, they were going to govern themselves. Well, let, let's think about it. The sequels took place over how much time period? Three days. I mean, yeah, well, okay, maybe not three days, but it was a very short time frame, correct? I mean, there was right. a small gap between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, but between the first two movies, there was no gap at all. It just, boom, what you saw yeah, went right sure. into the next movie. So, you know, the reason that the original trilogy was the way it was is because the pacing, and you knew that basically three years or so occurred between each movie. Things happen. So yeah. if, if that short span is when the sequels take place, maybe there's no time to rope the Mandalorians in. And maybe the first order wasn't, maybe their plan was let's go after them after we take care of the new Republic. And yes. never got to that. Yes. So that could have, yes. Like that's justifiable. I feel Hux kills them with Starkiller base. With, oh, kills the Mandalorians, you're saying? No, he doesn't. He just kills uh, the New Republic. No, but he's saying, I think, but he's he, saying that the potential it, it is there, breaks say off. That. It breaks off into like nine different directions. But they're not anywhere near where Hosnian Prime is. I, I would know. think. Yeah, I, oh, Brent, I thought you were saying the potential for like saying that Hux killed them or something. There. I don't think he actually <laughs> kills them on screen. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's on screen anything. Like it's probably in a book somewhere. No, I'm because <laughs> where's I, even, I thought it was right <laughs> i thought it, i mean i thought it was curson until somebody tells me it's hosni and prime i don't even i didn't know that yeah. was. yeah i mean that that all was that was such a coward play like either destroy curson or don't you know you don't get to be like oh we moved our government to a different planet uh if i got here dude like if you want to destroy the first republic put them on curson it's a, it's a trash planet anyway do you know how anxiety inducing it would be to live on a city planet 
on a planet that is only a giant metropolis, it sounds awful. I mean, especially the older I get, it just sounds miserable. <laughs> like when I used to go to New York when I was younger, it always be like, oh man, I'd really love to live here and test myself. I went this last year. I'm like, oh boy, these these buildings are mighty high. <laughs> there sure is a lot of people out here. I don't, I don't know about this. I might need to be getting home pretty soon here. So like, no, that sounds, Coruscant seems awful. I, the more I'm thinking about it, I see you're right here with the Thrawn possible story going on with the Mandoverse and everything before the first order and before the sequel trilogy, there is going to be some involvement from the Mandalorians. Now that they're rebuilding and Boba Fett and from man and from Din Djarin. But I, I really feel like the Mandalorians are set up to be a power player in the Ray era movies after. Yes. That sequel. is what I'm saying. I'm right there with you. That is what I, that is what I think they have to be at yeah. this point. I would like for them to be that, but I think they're being set up to be, the first line of defense that oh, uh, doesn't have to involve anything with any of the other stories. We can just say the Mandalorians fought, you know, Din Djarin and Ahsoka and, you know, the star Wars Avengers went and rallied, you know, like in portals, you know, then all <laughs> the Mandalorians walked out and yeah, Carson Treva probably wrote a report about it, but it ended up on somebody's desk. So the new Republic yeah, they, has no idea what happened. They really did do portals in rise of Skywalker, didn't they? Pretty much. I mean, yeah. when the fleet, yeah. I, I, I'll never forgive Rise the of Skywalker yeah. for for not at least telling us that the martyrdom of Luke was Lando Calrissian's rallying point. Like they, they never leaned in. They were just like, no, oh, no, Lando's just you know. I mean, look, Billy Williams is cool as hell, right? And if he tells you to come fight, I'm like, okay, Billy, D, I'm with you, bro. But like, you're stretching <laughs> it. There were a lot of people in yeah. that final fleet. And what was Billy D just recruiting him? Hey, guys, what's going on? Look, we got to take him out. Okay, come on. Um, one thing that we haven't hit on yet, and it's something that stuck out to me into this, this um, episode, and I guess it's been a recurring theme throughout the last few seasons of uh, a Mandalorian. Let's put R5-D4 into a new echelon of the droids status because – in 1977, when you first see him, he's the guy who makes it for about two seconds of screen time, yeah. blows up, and never, you think, okay, I mean, I have the figure right behind me uh, from 1978 right here. It, it was, I was like, yeah, I like that. I want to have that. I don't know why, because he's, you know, he blew up and he's in a trash heap probably. But to think that Favreau and Filoni roped him back into the story to where he was in the bar, back into the story to where he's with Pelimoto back in again now with mando and he played a part in mando getting through those red laser doors to get in to moff gideon's area that that r5 i mean i was thinking to myself i saw this droid in 1977 and i never in my wildest dreams thought he would have anything to do again with star wars and Joe, here he is playing a key role in the mandalorian he was finally motivated right <laughs> we first met him well done. He had a bad motivator. And here he, he just needed somebody to push him. And 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 Din pushed him. And look at our boy right there. I mean, who doesn't love that shape? Like, it's okay. shape language. That is wonderful design. Okay, but why doesn't he just stick out the electrocute and electrocute the mouse droids? Why does he fly away? 
like that bothered me. I'm sorry. Like I loved how I would love all to... these little mouse droids just be like that. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen him like because he's got the personality to do it. I would have loved to have seen him kick a foot and kick one of the mouse droids <laughs> off the ledge. That would have been so good. No, At least but, one of them before what... he flew away. But he just flew away, man. Yeah. He, in his mind, he's like, what the F is going on here? He's like, I've been a hero enough. I'm getting out of here. One of them fell off the edge when he took it off. Did. Oh, so, did he really? Oh, yeah. nice. Hell yeah. When he flew away, one, one got kicked off. Yeah. Oh, poor mouse droid. The, the, he didn't deserve that. The part about this scene that really bothers me after what now – 30 years of the empire. Why do they still have those droid hookups for <laughs> everywhere? I, I think they're like little I mean, Roombas. Look how immaculately clean all the floors are. No, right? I mean, they're just going around the, sucking the, up dust. the little data port that yeah. all the oh, oh, oh. rebel R2 units, you know, plug into. Why do they still hey, have that? Look, we've because had, US, we've the, had they, USB forever, right? It's the Imperials. Right. And the Imperials have R2 droids that do the same thing. I know, but why put one there? I mean, that's just, I, I get it. We're, I'm looking into it too much. But at some point, I mean, that can't be a thing in every story. It Look, is. cybersecurity <laughs> in the Star Wars universe is objectively bad. Yeah. And, and you're right, Alfie. Like from any, like any entry port, you can hack everything. Like you can, you can control the entire ship from like any random USB. So I feel yes. you. They, but but that, that's always going to be the wonderful part of Star Wars tech. It's just got these. It's got a very incongruous nature to it, right. which I think actually just works like door controls. Favor. If the doors open and you shoot it, the door closes. If the yeah, door closes, you know, one, one shoot it, it, it opens. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, dude. That, that checks out. <laughs> uh, I'm just Find picturing the, the guy seats. assembling these mouth droids and like just being like, you know, I'm going to lose my freaking job one day, man. These things don't do shit around here. <laughs> like, look at what happens in this situation. They just bump uh, into them, you know? But, but okay, oh. but tell me, talk about a merch idea. Tell me you wouldn't buy a functional Roomba mouse droid tomorrow in for your home, dude, yeah. in a freaking second. Have you made those little noises rolling around my house? <laughs> the, uh, I mean, I have a special place for mouse droids, and obviously Gonk. Gonk's great as well, mm -hmm. and they're both the same stupid shape. Uh, it's wonderful. No, I'm I'm glad you guys all enjoyed that because it just stuck with me. My, I I grabbed Lori and I was like, R5D4 was in one of the first scenes of Star Wars, and here he is. And she was like, Okay, <laughs> he was a beast in the. Uh, he was a really good droid to have. I can't remember his exact ability in the X-wing miniatures game as well. If you if you stuck him in your droid slot, he was so solid. So in Legion, they have one. They didn't name it R5D4. They call it an unstable astromech, and it's a picture of him. <laughs> Because what it does is it allows you to either shoot twice or get like an extra drive, but it's like it, he malfunctions. So it's called an unstable astromech. Hell yes, dude. I love when game mechanics reflect lore and the fluff like that. That's always like that. That's that's when game design works to me, which, by the way, boys, Fallen Survivor about to come out. Oh, yeah. Let's go. I can't wait. Can't wait. There was one other thing too that I'm thinking of as we're talking in this about this episode was I feel like it was one of the first times that Din fought alongside Grogu without thinking twice about it. Like I just Very good to point. protect him or whatever. It was like they made a great team because he was Grogu wasn't didn't have to do too much. He just had to keep them a little bit thrown off balance while Din was literally like shiving them in the throat with a knife. Like <laughs> Those blasters were freaking powerful that he got too, man. Like, 
Where did he get those? Weren't his blasters, right? No, he got them from the troopers that he was taking down. Those were giving me Cad Bane vibes. Like they had a long barrel to those rifles and they packed a punch to them, too. I like the fact that each set of troopers has different weapons. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's so over the top and unnecessary, but so awesome at the same time. Well, you know, you know what's over the top and unnecessary? Flamethrowers. Yeah. They remain the most ineffective weapon in Star Wars history. A flamethrower has never accomplished anything, anything ever, which is why when we see Moff Gideon supposedly burn up, I don't even know if the clone's dead. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, the every time a flamethrower has been deployed, it's uh, Alfie. You would know. Is there one time in which the flamethrower has been effective? He did use it in the first season when he escaped Navarro. He did okay. burn quite a few people with the okay. flamethrower. But oh, it when ran they were out coming to get him in that door, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Okay, good call. And in Attack of the Clones, um, Django used it against that one Jedi that he burnt. Burned a little bit and was able to knock you him off, it against, right? Uh, Mace Windu. He caught his robe on fire. There you go. I thought he, he just shot the guy off the Yeah, he just gun right. smoked the other yeah. guy, the yeah. dinosaur guy. Well, it didn't do too guy. well against Mace. All <laughs> right, so next question. His jetpack was damaged, so, I mean, give him a little bit. He's That's true. Fair. Going against fair. a Jedi Master. Yeah. And, and the next, most badass Jedi Master, arguably, like, just yeah. raw power, right? Yeah, pretty much. Next question that comes from basically this scene, because I believe this is when the light cruiser is crashing into the base and Moff is basically doing his, I'm Jesus, I'm going to go down in flames. Um, At the same time, there is our little baby Grogu pulling off Jedi powers um, that I don't believe has been seen before on cartoon and or anything on visual. Am I correct by saying that? What power? Blocking the flames? Yeah. He did that in the first season with the flame trooper when they were oh, inside the school, inside the bar. He did. Good call, Alfie. That's right. I forgot that. Now it exhausted him, which shows right, you how he much he's grown. Right. Okay. Uh, he's definitely grown, but um, and yeah. it lasted a significantly longer time this right. time too. No, that <laughs> had to be. No, no, that had to be. I mean, let's be clear. That was an ultra powerful move that Grogu did. Like the amount of pressure yeah. that he is holding back there. Have you all ever heard of the Keldari kiss? It's a Mandalorian headbutt being combat, but then also it's if two Mandalorians kind of tap their head together in their armor, it's called a Keldari kiss. And there is, if you look at the side shot from when they're in the flame bubble, it appears like Bo-Katan and Din Djarin kind of um, engage in a Keldari kiss. I don't know if this is going to be ever confirmed or whatnot, but they seem to kind of um, lovingly tap helmets. Let's just gingerly touch our tips of our helmets. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. This is one gripe I have about this episode. And just because I don't know, I think too much about this crap. Hell yeah. So this cruiser crashes into the base, right? And there's (laughs) this big explosion. But there really wasn't like a huge explosion. It was just flames. Well, it looks like a pretty big explosion or flames. There's flames. Okay. Right. I don't like a cruiser. Right. Coming down into this cavern that's shaped like, you know, a triangle causing all this destruction. And at the end of the episode, Mando has his jetpack back. <laughs> and he's also found IG-11's body and rebuilt him. So, a couple things. One, 
they were still okay. So this is where I think this is. I think this is an endless, bottomless cavern because one, it was just flames, and there was no direct explosion. That's mm. what bothers me the most. Like there was, like if that cruiser goes down, that whole base should have been destroyed. So not only that. So my thing is because we're going back to what I was saying before. This place, this base, is also in the same location as the kiln, and they relight the kiln at the end of the at the end of the episode. That kiln should have been destroyed as well, right? If it's as close to this base as that light cruiser crashing. So I think what I'm going to say is that, yes, it was going down in flames, but I feel like it's an endless bottomless pit and it didn't blow up and cause any massive destruction because of how far and how deep that cavern goes. So therefore, he was able to still find all that stuff because it didn't blow anything up. I'm I mean, not it could, that. It, it I agree with floor. you 100, percent but still, the <laughs> that's, my only, coming back <laughs> that's my only. That's my only. Episode really bothers me. Okay, well, I are agree we, with that, are but we it's sure also that badass we... that he stole the uh, the white Mando, yeah, that was the tight. Imperial Mando jetpack too. Wait, are we sure though that like do we like and and not that I would like go to the mat for this or anything, but could the writers not say no, it wasn't actually that close? Like we see them flying out of a cleft in the cliff. But do we, and we know Mando gets taken and everything, but do we know how far he's taken, how subterranean this is? Like, theoretically, couldn't it be much further away from the kiln than, than it, than it felt like it was? And which again, which, which I'm not, I'm not excusing that because then it feel that way. Right. And so it was like, okay. in in Boba Fett, it didn't feel like he spent a bunch of time amongst the sand people. Right now, they could tell me that he did, or be like, "Oh no, no, that's why he felt that way. He was actually there for X, X amount of time." But it never, you didn't really feel that, so they didn't make a good job of making you feel that distance. But I wonder if they really wanted to, could they kind of hand wave it away? Yeah, because you could say that they went to the mm-hmm. other side of the base, so then you have no real, uh, I guess, point of comparison. Yeah, because the interceptors were on the other side. They just went from the forge through some tunnels and they came out to a a, a, a chasm right there. And it yeah. looked like the base was more on the other side. I was disoriented during this battle as well, because number one, like the almost like battle of the bastards horse style charge of the Mandalorians flying at the uh at those troopers was awesome. Like so seeing sick. them just going full speed at each other was like amazing. But I was disoriented when Bo-Katan joined into Mando's fight because I was like, wait a second, like this, this is all going on right above him right now. That, like, that's I a good point. We're in a mm-hmm. separate area. Yeah. Like, I don't really have a gripe with it, but I was a little like, I was like, Oh, all right. That's kind of convenient. And then like, I also want to, you know, it's a major topic that we definitely should hit. And Dr. Squatch asked us how we're feeling about it. So I got, I got to share Dr. Squatch's uh, comment. And you guys have an issue with the dark saber being broken. I thought it was made of Beskar. Need Alfie's expertise on it. Yeah. but I, it was not- Go ahead. I don't know if the actual hilt was made of Beskar, but I would, you know, I I don't know. I really don't like this because we've already had one lightsaber that had the kyber crystal broken in half and mm-hmm. it was repaired and all that crap. But she had to have some books from a tree from somewhere that no one else has ever read before. And so could it be remade? Sure. I think it 
there's no reason why it couldn't be remade, especially yeah. if the Kyber Crystal is not damaged. Absolutely. And then again, it's Star Wars because, like I said, somehow this jetpack survived all this crap and he found it again. And IG 11 survived all this stuff and he was rebuilt again. Uh, the yeah, other, I don't know if the hilt was actually made from, I would assume it was. But can Beskar damage other Beskar? Well, it seemed yeah. like the Dark Trooper armor, uh, didn't it crush something? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So the, it was the Dark Trooper fist that crushed it, right? I mean, because you, right. you, yeah. you heard the like gears pushing down. But the other part, too, is we don't know how much time had passed between him showing up at Carson Teva and him, uh, them like lighting the kiln, there's a possibility that they could have reforged a new jetpack as well. And it's not the same jetpack. Yeah. But where they, you know, and yeah, they could have gone down to the lower depths and where that spider thing was, that was using the best car as bait and found some more. Well, I mean, they got a lot sure. of dead, they got a lot of dead troopers to pull best car armor from. Very right? yeah, I mean, but then you have to say that they had pure best car, like what didn't Jaren had. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's. I felt like I felt like they jumping were through close. a lot of hoops here to get this damn jetpack back. <laughs> well, I felt I felt like I mean, but look, we've we've known from the beginning that and I don't, I'm not not as much about the jetpack, but in terms of them having pure Beskar suits, I mean, we've known from the beginning that the first order and the Imperials have been hoarding as much Beskar as they could. Right. Um, it felt like they were deflecting shots. It was only the expertise of the Mandalorian knowing where to hit, like all the Mandalorians. That kind of gave him the advantage. So I feel like this was like a windfall for them. You know, this is like you you win the battle and suddenly you have unfathomable booty and plunder with which to build. I also don't think that they would remake the dark saber. Because that's that a question they need to ask. The Should they remake it? I don't forward. think it needs to be because it yeah. seems like everything since then has been bad for the Mandalorian. Because if you notice when the armor has Ragnar take his creed this time they she leaves out the line about removing your helmet I mean plus guys um the dark saber is an awful form of government I mean it allowed Darth Maul <laughs> it allowed Darth Maul to take over your people and everybody's like well shit I mean I, he has a saber I, like, yeah I you know. can't argue with that he has it man what do you want saber. me to do like, <laughs> I gotta I follow never, his ass I've never met watery tarts passing out swords is no basis for government <laughs> yes yes okay exactly oh my god it's, I just I, I saw it on Netflix the other day I just rewatched like the first 30 minutes of Holy Grail the other day exactly it is that exact thing <laughs> It is. It is time. We're to an autonomous collective. <laughs> Did we think we would get yeah, that I, mentioned I during it, the show? It's a sickness I have. <laughs> Look, we got a pulling your back, wipe, pulling the back muscle, wiping yourself. So I like. <laughs> I don't know anyone who had that. It could only go up, right? It could only go up. All right, boys. I'm just gonna say. I know we're getting close to the end. Yeah. I'm gonna say, yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the season. If you enjoyed the season, you enjoyed this episode. There's a lot of people that didn't. It's mixed reviews. I enjoy it because I come in with zero expectations and I want to be entertained. I let the creatives create and I let it roll and I just have fun with it. Um, but my phone's going to pretty much crash out on me. So no, I'm going to say peace out. And that's my final piece. So I bring a hollow man. See ya. Um, uh, yeah, let's let's. Let's go. Let's do our typical. Let's go around the room. I'll I'll start with D D Doc, who's who's been you know manning all the production value of the show and, Great and job, sometimes bro. doesn't doesn't speak as much as he should. But D Doc wrapping up this episode and this season. Any closing thoughts on this? Um, 
I'm really, uh, you know, I had an odd feeling after I let the uh, finale settle in a little bit because the way my schedule is now, I was actually able to watch it in the morning. Um, and I kind of like enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And I, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, I went into this season with the expectations of that Luke hallway scene to mm-hmm. be the ending of this season. <clears throat> so like my question to myself is I'm like, because I enjoyed it when it happened and I was like, okay, you know, but it did have a little, it did have me questioning, like, is this show like is Mando's chapter kind of over and is he just going to join in now with, with the Ahsoka show and the bigger picture stuff? Cause it kind of like, I, I really, I don't mind if it Mando is adventure of the week sometimes. Cause I just think it's a really cool show. Uh, I'm happy with this season. I know that there was people online who had a lot of issues with certain things that happened in this season, because I think that a lot of people's fandom really just got in the way of what they wanted this season, including mine sometimes. So like I can look at it objectively and say, I really did enjoy it. And they told a story, you know, and yeah. you know, it, it, it doesn't, it technically doesn't matter if, you know, Din didn't pull his helmet off and you didn't see Pedro Pascal or whatever. Technically, it doesn't matter because Mando is a character, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I guess you didn't need betrayal to happen in it because it doesn't always have to happen. Like maybe the Mandalorians were just trying to get rebuilt and they did do that. So uh, like I'm like thinking out loud of the things that I was thinking about after I let the finale settle for a little bit and like was really getting getting into it and talking about it and stuff. And I don't think Moff Gideon's gone. Uh, if there's no way this is the final episode of Mandalorian. There's no way they called it so. the season finale. So yeah. yeah, when, when, when this show is going to come to an end, I want you to tell me this is the final season of it so I can get hyped up every single night for it. But we've got a damn lot. There's a lot of Mandalorian episodes for us out there now. And this is something that's going to live on for a long time. So I thought it was a really good season. So I'm happy. I'm happy with it. Good, good. Book of Alfie with the brace on your hand. What were your thoughts? Or I loved this season. I loved all the Mandos flying around doing Mando shit. I thought that was freaking amazing. I did not like this episode the first time I watched it. Hmm. I think it was an amazing episode. Absolutely amazing. I thought it sucked as a season finale. Hmm. Rewatching it though, and not having the expectations of a finale. And I'm sorry that you have... Um, I guess structured television to be seen as a certain way and a season mm-hmm. building up to something. I don't think that is my fault as a viewer to expect. I I did not go into this with any cameos expectations, did not expect a Luke, nothing like that. I just felt like this as a finale was very safe. And like I said before, it was just a means to an end to the season and nothing more hmm. looking at it as a finale. As an episode, it was freaking amazing. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Axe Wolves, you know, clanking his gauntlets and then them all chanting for Mandalore. I was, I mean, forget about it. That was beyond words right there. That was freaking amazing. I agree that I feel like this almost seemed like the end of the series and that we're moving on to something, not just the season, but, you know, I hate to compare it to Marvel, but this really felt like the end of phase one and we're going to a different phase. Okay. You know, maybe yeah. 
this was Iron Man three, you know, okay. The end of the Iron Man movies, but Iron Man played a hell of a big part in all the Avengers stories. <laughs> so no, I don't think it's the end of Mando. The show makes too much money. It has too much viewership. I don't think it can sustain the budget that it's built itself up to. So yes, it's going to go to more of a adventure of the week and kind of fill in here and there. I hope it never ends while it's good. I don't want to see the show, you know, in season nine and it's just a, a pale, you know, right. version of itself, but I, I'm always going to watch <clears throat> it. I love this show. Okay. T Bob, how about you? Yeah, look, I think that, um, I think that Alfie raises some really good points in terms of they did play it safe and it was a means to an end. Uh, but like we kind of talked about, it, I think it was executed so well that it all actually really landed for me. And I found it again, these, these final moments with him adopting Grogu and being on the farm and Navarre and just thinking about all the growth, this cast of characters we've got to know. And, and again, Din's personal journey, him and Grogu mm -hmm. throughout all of this to end up where they did. Um, I found it to be deeply satisfying and I avoid a lot of the online discourse because um, I just, whatever, I just want to pour my own opinions and have fun with it. And a lot of it skews so negative. And it's just, when I view it, I don't, um, I, I, I don't feel that. Like I said, Mandalorian always feels like you're playing with your toys and it's, it's, it, it kind of carried that throughout this entire season. And I love the focus of just Din and Grogu and the Mandalorians in this uh, season finale of Mandalorian. And look, was it as good as season two? No, but season two's a landmark <laughs> moment for me in terms of entertainment culture. Like I'll never forget what it felt like watching the finale of season two, but it was still very good mm -hmm. to me. And, and that in no way diminishes season two and season two in no way diminishes what was a very fun, very well done season here. And, and I got to give him credit, man. Um, I felt more emotion than I thought I would with the whole adoption angle and with him being on the homestead. Like, I don't know that I actually expected to feel a kind of welling inside of me the same way that I did at the end of season two when Luke and they're leaving each other. And honestly, one of my problems with this entire season was kind of, I felt like, you know, it's a little bit of a cop out to like have him leave Mando and you're like, yeah, no, you know what? Actually he's back. But I felt like this actually paid it off because there is a deeper connection between the two. They are truly father mm -hmm. and son. And you have a man who is completely closed off to love now discovering the deepest of loves and um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was just really, really fun and fantastic throughout. And um, I'm super satisfied. Also, Grogu is going to ride a mythosaur. So <laughs> I agree. Get ready. That is awesome. That is awesome. Look, you guys, I usually have tons to say, but you know what? The three of you guys and Brent's comments did a great job covering this. It was entertaining. It, it was a great, great way to wrap things up, in my opinion, to move on, I think, like Alfie said, to the next phase. So I'm ready for it. These guys have won me over. Mandalorian, the series has won me over. I think we're going to get the, the Rangers of the New Republic wrapped with the Mandalorian in the next season. And, uh, and we'll see where this all goes. And I'm excited already for the Ahsoka series in August. I can't wait to see where that goes. So um, it's been great. T-Bob, look, I... I 
didn't I, I I hated that you missed out on the two hundred extravaganza, but having you here just with us tonight with, yeah, super with fun, just boys. us and just being able to have our conversations. Uh, that's always a great time. It's always fun. So thank Look, you for doing that. Uh, I love y'all. This is like some of the most fun that I have when I come on here and it's a group of great guys, true lore masters. And uh, I love, I love chopping it up with y'all. Um, so I'll holler at you, yeah. but uh, thank you for saying that Joe. Thank you. D doc. Thank you, Alfie. Thank you to Brent. You know, I miss Nick tonight. Give him my love. I will. And um, yeah, I'll see you. Uh, Whenever, you know, this is kind of like, look, I'll see you when the next contract comes out. Just send that, send that puck my way. Exactly. Bounty puck. And uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be back sometime in the future. That's great. Great. We always love to have you next week. Miss Jessica will be running the show and talking right, about Star Wars celebration until next time. May the force be with you.